You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. This is the World Football Programme. I'm Penny Tannerhoth. Don Evans and Miranda Templeman in the studio with me. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, world, and good morning, girls. Lovely day. It is a lovely day where we are happy, healthy, and we're talking football. That's all good. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for listening in. You're on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Thank you, team, for coming into the studio. We've all had a bit of a challenging time over the last uh, nth number of months in various shades of lockdown, but here we are, three of us in the studio today. Bring it on. <laughs> well, I'm going to touch wood before I say it, but I've never felt healthier in my life, Penn, and I've, everyone I run into around the traps is looking good. I think most people are taking real good care of themselves, you know, like eating well, you know, exercising, keeping a you know positive frame of mind. I know there's some that are struggling yep. at the moment, but that's the key. I think just look at it as another one of life's challenges and we'll all get through and uh, can't wait to kick that ball around, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, things are looking a little different. They look a little different every time we say that. Um, things are progressing. We're doing really well in WA. Northern Territory is doing really well with um, some of their – Sorry, Mum. Screw you. We're having a brew kind of <laughs> messages out there, but uh, that's the Northern Territory yeah, way, Pen. It is. They wouldn't do it any other way. And it's called progress. So yeah. they're doing well. We're doing well. Progressing towards some form of football happening very soon. And for us, that means on the park with the ball, maybe not tackling, passing to each other, seeing our mates again, having a bit of social distance, but able to gather in doing something that we love. And it's the doing something that we love that we all miss. We can't connect in ways that we normally do. We've been connecting a lot of other ways, Zoom meetings and Skypes and on the phone and internet this and internet that. It's uh, Digital technology has been absolutely wonderful and a godsend through this time, but we crave to be face-to-face and be near each other and have a bit of a chat, have a hug, 
do the elbow thing, whatever it is. And I know you're not allowed to do the hug yet, but uh, you know, all these other greetings will come in. I'm, I'm getting used to the elbow bump. O'Connell came in to say hi. John O'Connell came in to say hi to my business the other day and um, we had to do an elbow bump. <laughs> so. I'm surprised he hasn't invented the O'Connell bump. There's got to be something you know, fashionable out of Liverpool coming out of Jock. But um, look, there's been so much good stuff happening with um, um, the, you know the pre- our great premier of Western Australia, Mark McGowan's really leading the way. I think he's been uh, an amazing leader during this uh, tough period, and um, and our own leader, James Curtis, who's um, been right at the forefront, um, you know, representing our game in a in a in a new way. You know, it just seems to be now we are uh, a respected um, uh, participant in. Uh, in the sporting uh, scene here in Western Australia, we're no longer that other code over there in the corner called, you know, soccer. It's uh, football is starting to be seen as a, a respected equal, and I think uh, all the um, the discussions that have been going on about getting the game back on track have been with a lot of respect towards our code, which for me um, makes me feel very, very proud. Oh, I think um, listening to Peter Philopoulos, who's the CEO of uh, Football Federation Victoria, I always like his style and his yep. perspective on things. Great, great leader. Great, great, great work over there. Yep. And I think some of the positives that are coming out of this situation are that more people across different sports and environments are talking to each other to because we're all in the same situation, we're affected by the same things. We might not be, it might be business, it might be sport, it might be volunteer, whatever. We're all affected by the same things and we all want the same things. We all want to survive, we want to stay healthy, we want to be out there engaging with the community and with our target markets, whoever they might be. So we've got to talk to each other. Like how is that going to look? Do we share the same spaces? Do we access the same economy? Um, Do we survive in same or different ways? We've got to talk to each other and that's what our code of football has had to do across the sport to use the same grass space. I think you're right. The government can't put us anywhere else but in that same space anymore and out of the other side. We can't be at Princess Margaret Hospital. We've got to be yeah. somewhere that is our own place. That Standalone home. That's it. Yep. And, and I mean, look, you know, we've always spoken about the, you know, the perfect world for our football, you know, becoming football united. And I think through this, you know, call it uh, adversity, we are, our, our football people are becoming more united. The, the dialogue between people on social uh, forums regarding the startup of football, everyone's talking respectfully to each other rather than the put-downs that used to happen or, you know, I'm all right, Jack, and, you know, who cares about you? It's all about me and my club. Now it's about, hey, listen, let's help each other out. So, no, there's a lot of warm and fuzzy going on at the moment, so I'm I'm pretty happy about it. Yep. Mm. Thank you, everybody, for listening in and staying with us over the past few months. We've changed our conversations. We haven't been able to talk about competitions except the Belarusia League. (laughs) 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 Now there'll be a few more coming across the plate. I think the K League's uh, yeah, started the back up. Off, yeah. The Bundesliga uh, is probably yeah. going to be starting soon if mm-hmm. they haven't started yet. Um, EPL are, are looking at starting soon, but yeah, I don't know about that one. They're still in a, in a whole lot of challenging time over there in the UK. So I don't know. The things that have really come out of this are, for me, there's three big ones money, community, and survival. Mm-hmm. If we look at different countries <clears throat> and different um, ways sport is applied in those countries or not, um, it means a lot of different things, but they're all affected by exactly the same thing, which is COVID-19. And I look at Africa and how um, the, the government is trying to keep people apart and socially distanced 
distance, but as a poorer nation, they are trying to survive and they need to work to survive. So how can you keep people apart when they need to go to work to survive? And then you look at the UK and the the money in football there and how they want to start and they're not quite at the right place yet maybe for everyone to feel safe about doing that. Um, and then some people just need to put food on the table and they might be here in Australia and they're having a mentally tough time. Like there's three really important things there right across the world that connect us and they're the, the messages that have come out of this to me. And I don't know what the answers to any of those things are, just uh, patience and love and being really neighbourly. I think that's mm. the mm. one thing that uh, has to come out of this. Like you say, Don, check on your mates. Check on your mates. See how they're doing, it. give them a phone yep. call Look or out. shout over the fence. Yep. He's still there, Jack. You yep. all right? Do you need something here? Here's a bag of carrots. Yeah, you know, help the elderly. Whatever it is. You know, if you see old people um, or you know old people in your neighbourhood that can't do the, the things that uh, they need to do, put your hand out and offer a helping hand. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, we were saying before we went on air that uh, this station, Radio Fremantle, must be the hub of football in Australia, if not the world. We have three football programs running out of the station now. So we've got Let's Talk Football. We've got the World Football Program. I should have said the World Football Program first. Oh, no. <laughs> and we've got uh, John O'Connell and Football Extra. So uh, the um, Let's Talk uh, Football runs from the Sport FM. Yep. So same building as Radio Fremantle and same with Football Extra. So rename this place Football Central. I know, yeah. right? Yeah, it's all happening Woo-hoo. here. It's great. It is. It's very good. So we're all talking about football yeah. um, f- from the same building here, and I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, a few years ago there wasn't a lot of football happening here. It was us. We've been here for I don't know thirty odd years, and uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water here, or. I don't know what it is, Don. Oh, I think from, doing a good job um, from little things, big things grow. Pen. I always like that saying. Like and, it. You know, we yep. we started off small, and now we've just uh, evolved, and with uh, I'll call us the giant now because we are. You know, women's football's just exploded. We spoke about that ten years ago. I remember on this program, or probably fifteen years ago, when you know everyone was saying, "Oh, when's women's football?" And I said, "Look, it's happening. It's starting." And, and our Matildas were the girls that led the way. You know, there was some pioneers there that just gave respect to women's football, they, the way, way they went about their business. I like you turning the conversation there, and here we are with young Miranda Templeman in the studio, who's probably going to be the next the biggest thing since <laughs> Sam Kerr as yeah. an export from Australia. Yeah. I think if we Google Miranda Templeman maybe five years ago, the hits would be a lot less than they are right now, and maybe in another few years they'll be like through the roof. Yeah. And we won't be seeing her in the studio. We'll have to get her agent to oh, get know, her on the right? phone for That's us or something. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah. Nick is in the kitchen. That's Dad, so yeah. we'll have the link there always. Yeah, great. <laughs> so you're doing a great job, Miranda. It's great to see your name across um, mm. lots of social platforms now in various ways. I'm pretty sure I saw the Football West Hyundai partnership with – is that is that you on that? Down there, is that you? <laughs> yep, yeah, bottom there, you, right. there, you, there go. you go. And in the junior dream team, congratulations Thank for you. WA. Mm. So, yeah, well, when, when everything gets back on deck, deck again, we hope that you can start your touring again and get yeah. involved with all your programs. And uh, yeah, take has, it. more importantly, how's your rehab going? You're pretty much getting there. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. 85, 90 percent back. So, yeah. just. I think the next step would be contact training, but of course, yep. no Can't one's actually doing, doing contact training at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So oh, that's probably what, about a month away, I think. Yeah. yeah so. Mm. Yeah, I reckon. All, yep. all pointers are heading to good things for us. Now, the guests for the show today include Goran Stajic, 
who is involved with the Pararoos. He's also a, um, I think, PE teacher at Wesley College. We'll have a chat about how things are looking in his environment. Gary Williams, who's the coach of Kingsway Olympic State League men's team. Also a first respondent working uh, with the police force. Uh, Gary? Yeah. There you go. Hmm. And Dean Giorgio, who is with or who is Gold Leaf Creative. We'll talk more about that with uh, Dean and what that means to football. Stephanie Brantz. Steph is an ABC Sports commentator. We know her from W Lead Commentary. We'll have a chat about uh, what's happening with sport and ABC at the moment. Uh, not a lot happening on the um, current news, of course, because sport is just, uh, well, a lot of ifs and buts and maybes and whens and all that kind of thing. And what well, is it? That other code with the egg ball uh, <laughs> seems to be getting uh, a lot of favours going its way. And yeah. uh, I look at it and say, well, if that's going to happen for Aussie rules, um, they can't just uh, discriminate against other codes. So whatever happens for them is a good signal for the rest of us too. They, I think, will sort of, uh, f- f- let's just say, forcibly negotiate, uh, our leaders will n- negotiate positions for our codes to I like the way you said off. that. A bit of a, an indicator with what's mm. going to happen, and you're right. We we don't like to say that um, they maybe get this and we don't get that, and yeah. you know they're a bit by people are biased or government and funding are biased towards them, not towards us. But yes, they are a large part of our culture, and if um, things are going well and they're leading the way, then yep. we can you know jump on board and it's, we can share. It's called the slipstream. We'll just <laughs> saddle up right behind that big boat called AFL and. Uh, the ESS football will be right behind them. Yeah. Hey, a big thank you to everybody that supports us, to the members that become part of the station, listeners out there. Thank you very much, everybody that hops onto our Facebook group page, uh, especially Peter Wright. Man, you are a gun with posting stuff on our page. Appreciate that very much. West Coast Futsal Prosperity Strata Management, Glory, Perth Glory Football Club, Oswest Fencing and Raw Tyron, Gate and Fence Hardware, WA. Not everybody is up and running with their various businesses, um, but with the restrictions loosening over the next few weeks, hopefully the likes of West Coast Football and Perth Glory Football Club will... um, be able to get back to what they do best and um, the news will change across their social platforms and we'll be engaging in different ways. Those uh, raiders from the east are making noises, Pen, about uh, possibly having a crack at our coach and trying to get hold of uh, Popovich and Melbourne Victory that are... Uh, Nick off. Yeah, go away. Go away. Yeah. Look in your own backyard. Yeah, go away. That's it. Uh, before we go to a break, uh, what has football looked like for you in the last couple of months, Miranda? Um, yeah, well, I guess as a goalkeeper, I'm kind of lucky because I could have my one-on-one sessions with my coach all the way through and work on technical elements of the goalkeeping and still um, specify it for my rehab program. But I think what everyone's missed, you can do your training on your own, you can pass against a wall, but nothing's the same as being with your team. And so we've got our first team training session on Wednesday this week and I think everyone's just looking forward to seeing each other in person rather than on a Zoom call. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, Don mentioned the rehab after your surgery. Has it helped not having that contact um, kind of uh, environment in the last couple of months so that you can just concentrate on what you need to, to get better or have you needed that to help just kick you over the line? Yeah, I think it's it's got its pros and its cons because, of course, um, I'd probably be easing back into contact now but there's nothing to go back to which is, you know, mentally a bit disappointing but then also it kind of gives me the time to set everything right and when I do come back um, I'll hopefully be stronger and better than ever to go forward. 
Yes, hopefully right in there with the same opportunities as, as everyone else competing for your positions in those teams. Mm. Yeah. Good luck to you with that. Thank you. Where will you be training, by the way? Are we talking NTC? Or? Yeah, NTC, I think our first session is 6 o'clock down at Celebration Park in Balga. So a oh. bit of a trek from here, but make the trip. Yep. Okay, that's interesting because not all the councils have opened up their grounds. Well, I did notice around my area, uh, Inglewood, Dianella, um, Balcata, Stirling, so the city of Stirling more or less, um, they've uh, erected the uh, soccer goalposts up now. So we've got our posts up, that's a good which sign. is a great mm-hmm. indicator. So yep. um, I think yeah, every, everything's in readiness in that council. Other councils may be a bit slow. I know there was a, a few uh, murmurs up Wanneroo or Joondalup Way that they weren't um, coming to the party quickly. So, Same uh, in the city of Melville. Yeah. The, we haven't got the green light yet. But yeah. then and we might talk about this with Goran actually because that'll yeah. we've got to get him on as a guest. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're coming, Goran. We're yeah. going to a break. This is the World Football Program with Penn, Don and Miranda. We'll be back shortly. 107.9 FM, your local station. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. That was West Coast Futsal Promo, and we do appreciate the support of everyone who does support us, regardless of the state that their business may or may not be in. So with West Coast Futsal, we'll keep supporting them until they have feedback on the courts again, and they're up and running, and things will be as per normal. Good morning, Goran. How are you? Uh, Good morning, Ben. How are you? Don, yeah, how you doing? Real good, Goran, and uh, great to hear your uh, positive little voice on, on the air. You've been uh, a busy boy uh, in football, doing lots of lots of things even in the quiet time. Um, tell the listeners what's kept you active, Goran, during these uh, strange little times we're going through. Uh, strange indeed. Um, I think last time we spoke I probably wore about three hats, and now I'm <laughs> minus one of them, um, which has actually been pretty good from a family perspective, but uh, probably not uh, for mine, but... Uh, 
Um, I guess from uh, I work in education, obviously, and um, I mean, COVID's had a fairly positive um, effect for the sport of soccer or football, um, as it's referred to in the um, um, school system. Uh, you know, because that's all that can be played at the moment. <laughs> which, wow. has been, which has been pretty good for the uh, for myself, um, who probably understands that game a lot more than any other sport. So, how how at school level um, can that continue on when we can't do it out in community level? Is uh, is there like a, a special sort of policy that allows? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, we have guidelines. Um, obviously, um, everything is still fairly adhered to. Uh, in that sense, is very strict. Uh, for that matter. So, I mean, when I say that we're uh, playing um, football um, at school, um, I mean, there's no tackling. Um, It's actually been quite challenging to come up with uh, session plans, but at the same time, it gives you a different perspective on how you uh, perceive the game, uh, you know, in these uh, interesting times. So uh, if you're a goalkeeper or a budding goalkeeper, unfortunately, um, you can only use your feet at this uh, stage. You can't use your hands. Really? So no, no palming <laughs> yeah. the ball away or punching it. No, none of that. So wow. Nothing. Nothing like that. It's really interesting. And then um, after the lessons finished or the uh, the games finished, um, we uh, pretty much disinfect the balls uh, immediately. Um, uh, so yeah, they're ready to go again. So it's uh, yeah, it's just only really you know foot to foot or feet to feet. Um, just passing um, and Set the way pieces. that you uh, retain pers- Sorry? Set pieces, good time to practice set pieces. Oh, absolutely. I've even um, bought in the old um, uh, channel ball, you know, where we basically line up on the halfway line, I kick it over the top and run onto it. (laughs) (laughs) How about about, um, about football, tennis? Is that game uh, allowed? um, Yes, yeah, I mean, it would, and that's a great idea for next week. Thanks, Don. Um, you know, I haven't come up <laughs> with that one yet. You're welcome, mate, um, anytime. So, yeah, you'd probably, probably have to flick it up with your foot to serve it over. Yep. Um, and you can use your head, no doubt, um, in that, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, real strange times. But um, the plus is, and we're one of the schools that don't have mobile phones um, as well, so the plus is that, uh, you know, your recess, your lunchtime, everything like that, it's just full of, uh, you know, boys uh, and girls. Uh, we've got girls, obviously, there in the prep school, but, um, you know, everyone's uh, out there uh, kicking a uh, football around, as in the soccer ball. Brilliant. Who would have thought? So just out of curiosity, it's I can hear from your voice that you're saying you're instilling social responsibility in the kids. When it comes to lunchtime and breaks, I'd be curious to see if they do that or instinctively do they just go and huddle together? I know. So uh, we're one of those proactive schools. We've actually gone out onto the ovals and gridded areas. Um, believe it or not, and maybe that's what uh, we need to keep on doing because it's really encouraged uh, the group of 10 uh, in there. You obviously got, um, you know, teachers on duty, you know, wandering around and uh, all that type of stuff, uh, ensuring that the social distancing is um, uh, getting adhered to and stuff. So it's been uh, pretty good in that sense. Yeah, sure, you know, you're going to get your odd uh, uh, student getting a little bit uh, close and forgetting and just that natural instinct to want to tackle and uh, you've, you sort of sound a little bit silly, say, uh uh-uh, uh, too close. No, you can't intercept it. And here I am on the sidelines going, hit him hard, boy. You know? <laughs> I reckon that's really hard for a kid. I've, I've noticed my daughter, Rose, she's, <clears throat> excuse me, she's, <clears throat> excuse me, she's 13 years old, second year in high school. And we had time off school. I'm saying we because we talked about it. We had a bit of time off school, then introduced back into it. And I, I was trying to encourage by watching news, all the rules, Football West, what they're saying about the rollout of yep. the restrictions, the rollback, and being aware of that and 
commenting and having conversations with her so she can then go to her environments which are very sociable with kids where their instinct is to huddle together and to hug each other and give their high fives and be close and sit next to each other and share apps on their phone, all that kind of stuff that is not what Mm -hmm. we want now. But to have a very adult conversation. But kids... They, they instinctively, they don't hold the information in their head. They just do what is instinctive and that is huddle together and be a kid. So it's been really hard for me to say, you have to be socially responsible. You have to do these things because it's for the good of our community, not necessarily the good of you personally and what you want to do and play and be creative and all that kind of thing. So I, I found that really difficult as a parent to make my child understand those things and then yeah. go out and actually uphold it. Yeah, well, I mean, as... Uh you know, we've been on nearly every course that you could possibly imagine and getting really updated continuously on this, um, um, whatever you want to call, um, C19, uh, in that sense. I, I think there's enough evidence to show that the the youth or the children of today aren't as affected or um, as contagious as it would be for you and I, for example. Um, so it's really to look after um, uh, the staff, the teachers, um, and stuff like that, whereas... Um, as much as we don't encourage um, the previous or the norm, um, it's, it is difficult because um, there is times there when uh, affection needs to be put in place, you know, whether a child's been uh, tripped over, ball gone into the face or whatever it may be. It's just weird that you can't even, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just really strange times, uh, absolutely. But sometimes common sense also has to prevail, but then everyone else's common sense is different from others, uh, as we've seen uh, just as... Australia, for an example, you know? Yep, yep. Certain states are doing things a little bit differently. Um, and thank God we're doing it a little bit better at the moment. Yes. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about the environment right now is that we're reflecting a lot on where we're at, uh, we're resetting things, we're looking at our infrastructures, our resources, we're sharing differently, yep. we're being neighbourly. Uh, and I hope that that brings football to a better place when we actually restart because we are in a hibernation of sorts at the moment. We've We've stopped what we normally do, which is... Uh, a massive multi-billion dollar business across the world. Um, we're a huge volunteer base here. Like everyone's had to stop what they're doing and just go on with their lives, which is survival, which is, you know, human nature. We have to do that, which uh, enables the business of football to have a look at how we're going to restart, what resources they've got to do it and how they could do it better and differently, not just like a commercial operation where we have to make money to put bread and butter on our tables, our <coughs> football environment has to operate a little differently and there's been some really good articles come out alan stagic the former matilda's coach put out a great article mm. in the last couple of weeks i think it was on any soccer, relation god is he a cuz uh, no um but i'd like to sometimes say that it is you should I claim it. Emails, um, just claim it just claim it <laughs> address to alan that i've got to forward to him sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he's my cuz <laughs> yeah yeah, you, yeah what, absolutely Goran, what do you think about um, when football starts up again that we could do a little differently than what we've done before? Oh, wow. Have you actually opened the floor for me, have you? <laughs> Go to town. Go to mm. town. Yeah, but... No, no, listen. Um, I mean, last night I actually just put a cheeky post on uh, my social media to say that I'm going to get on the radio, this and that. And I'll tell you what, I had, I've had several messages. I've had several messages. I'll oh, ask this, bring this up, do that. And I've... I think to myself, geez, I could have my own little segment here. Well, uh, pen, you've I got think, it. You know? Go for it. That's it. You're, you're, you're coming in for two hours then. <laughs> yeah, but 
but but one thing I've learnt in football, and um, I've even you know followed you for a long time too, Don. Uh, one thing we've got to be careful of is not to get too emotional, sentimental, which is what some of these uh, past players have become during this, you know, pandemic as well. I think, you know, yeah, so yeah. Um, I want to keep my guards up here and just completely stay as uh, diplomatic but, as possible. But the most important thing mm. is try to get something across, and something that's really close to my heart. Yep. has been, you know, this state, Western Australia, and all the players that we've produced in the past, whether it's in male, female, or in disability football. Mm. Um, and I think when something like this happens, what a great opportunity um, is it not to now really have a look to see, uh, obviously, what's worked in the past mm. and uh, what could work. But one thing that I'd really like to start seeing in our community clubs, and I'm glad that we've got someone like Don there, I guess, who's um, been a volunteer for many, many years. Um, but these positions, I feel, have been uh, um, uh, abused, uh, not by everyone, but they have actually been abused. And there's just none of that accountability, which always allows for history to keep repeating itself, uh, I think. And I'd really like to see... Um, some full-time positions, uh, you know, come, especially at least MPL level, they should be mandatory. At least one position should be full-time. If they can afford more, great. Um, and then state leagues should show us as well whether or not, um, and, and like they should have an optional uh, opportunity to uh, have a full-time position. You know, for example, whether it's a coach or coaches um, or secretary um, or even a club manager of some sort, but... I think this would be a really good opportunity for Western Australia in that sense, especially at our local levels and that uh, grassroots community. Can we at least get that one full-time position minimum, mandatory at MPL and optional for State League? And probably like to hear your thoughts on that one, Don. Oh, no, look, I agree with you 100%. For me, if we want the game to evolve and get better and clubs to get stronger, we have to have a sense of professionalism in our organisations. We need skill sets that uh, are able to uh, encourage, uh, unite and drive people within a club. So you can't have, uh, I, I used to call it the benevolent dictator like, good old Ziggy Kramer, you know. I loved mm-hmm. Ziggy because he, he his passion was for his club and, uh, you know, so was mine, so is Gary Marocchi, so is uh, Gabby Valentini. So there's so many yep. names out there that I could name that have, you know, that um, – desire to want their club to be uh, a professional environment. Now, it's impossible to create a professional environment with just volunteers. It's not possible unless you're able to get those volunteers who have got time that they can dedicate. So you're talking about people who are pretty much semi-retired or or retired that can uh, come in and become um, ambassadors within a club. I call it, you know, uh, a club needs to have uh, a group of um, uh, willing minds that can guide and direct um, the people, the the young kids that are coming through to a pathway where they actually feel... um, that, that they've got a hope at that club. How do you see a revenue stream being created for that when you consider that a lot of clubs feel that, say, a technical director or the highest qualified coach in the club yep. would be the probably the highest paid? Look, it's a tough one because, you know, the worst part for our code, and I think everyone, and Goran, you'll back this up, is that, um, you know, yeah. the governments don't give us that, that funding that we need. And we're all lobbying hard. Everyone's out there lobbying. Maybe their, it's time their, to change the business model at club level. The business model needs to yes, change. Yes, Pen, spot on. Yep. And that's really... Yeah, that's that, exactly one of the ones I was going to bring up for that, <laughs> yep. for that reason because we need to show the government. Yes. We need to show yes. the government that we actually 
um, have a, you know a professional mindset or a business model that actually shows that clear direction for our boys and girls, um, for anyone really, for that matter, to be able to play our this sport. This is know, the but, reason uh, our sport it, hasn't got the funding, Goran. It's because everyone yeah. is is got state based this and that and whatever in different programs, and we haven't shown the government like AFL, sorry, but we haven't shown that we can put it all into the same place yeah. and do all the same things. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but the, that's why when I go back to this now for our um, uh, state federation, I guess, for that matter, if we start making at least at one level mandatory, we're really going to start seeing the pretenders from the contenders. You know, yeah. otherwise yeah. we're just going to still be here, Don. Yeah. And I'm sure you must be frustrated, oh, you know, for someone who, who's time. been in the game and been involved not only as a parent but yeah. as, like I said, a former president and yeah. all that type of stuff. And you mentioned some great names earlier yeah. that I've had the privilege to work under and mm. work for as yeah. well. And hence why I'm just thinking... What are we doing? This is a perfect opportunity yeah, where we can is. really yeah. fix football for once and for all. Yeah. These boys, um, these great ambassadors of our game who have just gone onto social media of late yeah. um, and basically telling us, you, what we already know. Yeah. We already know this, yeah. you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, they're backed. And they always, and, I mean, and they always will be backed by the Aussies because they've either scored that great goal or they've... Mm-hmm created that great bit of history and stuff like that. But when the game now needs them the most, the most, oh, I'm going to now have my two bobs worth. Is it from top down, though? I mean, we've just got a a new CEO of uh, FFA, uh, Mr. Johnson has come in and he's saying yep. some good things and I think he's getting a lot of support for saying those good things, recognising very quickly the problems or, and challenges that our sport across Australia has. Do you think that maybe he's got to come up with the model or FFA's got to come up with the model and then it's got to spread down through the clubs and be mandated to the clubs? Well, I mean, this is, I mean, we could be here forever as well. He's doing obviously, or well, he's inherited uh, – you know, a, a very difficult period, um, like nothing before since seen since the World Wars. Um, but when you say from top to bottom, I also say that we have state federations in place, hence why our TD of nine months now has decided, mm, this isn't for me, I'm out of here sort of thing. Mm. Um, it probably needs to start there as well yep. in the state federations who have so much power, who have so much pull, mm. who have so much um, ability to really uh, lead us here in Western Australia, that's all I can talk about for the moment because that's where I've only really experienced um, grassroots level and uh, senior level and whatever level that you and professional level uh, for that matter in being involved at Glory. But um, uh, I think probably if we forget about the FFA for a minute, it's probably our state federation uh, that really needs to now show us what they're really about and are they really serious um, about helping our game um, uh, become uh, the number one not only as in participation, but also from uh, every other aspect that involves um, yeah. uh, sports to grow. No, just to add on to that, I think you know we, we do need to have uh, leadership from uh, our, our governing body where a, a uh, let's call it a, a business uh, um, plan of sorts for uh, uh, ambitious and aspiring clubs. Uh, I mean, if you're in the NPL, you, 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 you want to be serious about the game. You, you don't want to be there to just make, make up numbers and mm. you're, you're, a, you're our flag for our code here in WA, apart from Perth Glory. So for me, um, 
getting a, a consortium of uh, brains trust from the NPL of professionals together with the uh, the heads of uh, Football West and and their board because there's you know I mean the chairman's a, a, a chartered accountant of some note you know Sharif is uh, a very well uh, uh, yep. um, educated man and uh, knows how businesses uh, run well and and not well so these are and the gone, things and on we that need. One. And on that one there, uh, my friend, is um, we've had a great example on how uh, not only democracy works, but how this nation works. Mm. We've had the, uh, pr- uh, the, the, the president, the, the prime minister of this country basically directing mm. what he thinks should happen, but then he's actually gone out to the states and said, you do it your way. Yep. You do what's best for you. Yes. Um, th- this, this could be adopted in football as well. Yep. Exactly. SFA are in Sydney. Yep. This is what we're thinking. Now, James yeah. Curtis and Sharif and all these guys, yeah, but this is what works for WA. Correct. This is why yep. we became what we became yep. as a power nation in football through not just Socceroos, but Matildas and just even my, my Pararoos or our Pararoos as yep. well. We've just need to use this example that the Australian government has given us on how we can actually govern our game yes, and our sport. Independence. And, and uh, you know, you know your state better than anybody else, as, you know, Mark, Mark McGowan's shown. Um, he knows exactly what, work, what works best for our state. Um, let's look after, I've always said it, WA really needs to look after football for WA people first before we can uh, manufacture those fantastic players uh, like Miranda and Sammy Kerr and the rest of the kids yep. to, to play... Um, uh, at the highest level. Can I just ask, Miranda, I'm going to throw you into the absolute deep end here. <laughs> um, you're a young lady. You're going through the system that mm-hmm. is there and also you're outside of the system seeking your own development as well mm-hmm. as a goalkeeper. Um, how do you feel about the things that we're talking about? Does it matter in your football world at all or do you just do what you're doing? Do you notice any of these things? Does it fit in with your football environment at all? Um, yeah, I think there's as a player there's always the element you know I'm just going to put my head down and work hard and try and get to where I want to be but then you've got all these outside influences and you hear the chatter around and you you maybe nibble at it a bit and you know try and get into the discussion but ultimately I don't think that players at my age at least um it will really affect how they play or what they're going to do on the park no politics yet yeah I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah and that's the and way that it should be. That, that's how yeah. you want it to be. Yeah, you don't you don't want the kids affected by internal club nope. uh, mechanisms. That you know, the, yep. I call it the you know the, you've got to have an engine room that's the brains trust that makes a harmony at the club for the kids to not even notice the politics. Yeah. So you, you just go around the place going, oh, I love being here. Let the kids yeah. play. Because mm-hmm. I, I called Macedonia Park when I was president. I said, I want this place to be the second home for kids. Mm-hmm. So when things are tough at home, at their own home, they can come to the second yeah. home, which is the football home, and they've got coaches, they've got players, they've got friends. It lifts them out of their despair that might be having, you know, when things are hard at home. And that's, for me, the key to all our clubs that – we, we have the ability to create a beautiful environment for all, all the kids that love playing yeah. football. Yeah, at the moment that environment's going to look uh, a little bit different for mm. I don't know, for the coming season, whatever that may be. Yep. Uh, Goran, we're going to have to leave you there, but uh, thanks, we, thanks we, for that we, shot we, of passion, we, mate. That we was gotta, awesome. We've got to bring Goran on for, for a couple <laughs> of hours, Goran. You've got you to bring that list of questions, mate, because I still wanted to quiz you about we, – we, we miss you in the NPL, mate. You did a fantastic job with Balcata last year, getting him up to fourth position, and my head's still wobbling going, what the – you know, because your, your uh, ability to unite that team and get it up that ladder was second to none. So we'll, hopefully we'll – uh, Thanks, Don. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, as I said, uh, sometimes uh, 
Um, football has uh, a funny. Uh, no, what did you actually say? No, it's a game of snakes and ladders. That's right. That's yeah. what you actually uh, uh, mentioned to me and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it has a, has funny ways, but uh, all good. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Apologies, uh, Miranda, for um, not introducing um, myself this morning <laughs> to you <laughs> quickly. But just a quick one with, with that one, Miranda. Just. Um, uh, just make sure that you're not going to be like us uh, in 20, 25 years from, <laughs> from What, what from do you mean by that, young man? Up these football problems. <laughs> no, no, we want Miranda to be a leader saying we, we are going so well and we've got everything because it's the next generation that's going to fix this up for us. I really believe that. Good one, Goran. Right on. Yeah. Good <laughs> on you, Goran. Thanks, guys. See ya. Have a good weekend. Bye. 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 That was Goran Sajik um, who works with the Paroos and uh, – yeah, Wesley College and in the local football system. I don't know. Has he got kids that play in? I'm sure he has. Uh, and the next time we get going on, we'll be quizzing him. We will indeed. <laughs> Where they're at. <laughs> we are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course, with Gary Williams from Kingsway Olympic. Is that football club or soccer club? Football club. Football club. Football I think. club. Yeah, yeah, some of the clubs haven't quite changed their names mm. in their titles yet, but we'll be back very soon. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support, and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program, Penny, Tanner, Hoth. And it's only Hoth because I was married. My maiden name's Tanner, so there's a long-winded bit in there. Penny, Don and Miranda in the studio with us. And it's a good morning to Gary Williams. Hi there, Gary. Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you? We're awesome. Very Talk- well, Gary. Good to uh, have you on the show. We, we have some very talkative guests on the show this morning and you're very welcome to just uh, keep talking yes. and uh, you know we'll just stop you when we've got to run into the next guest. Look, before we go into something, I just wanted to say I've 
uh, pulled an article down off a social site called The Football Feed and I just wanted to mention it because it was a, a great thing to mention. It's their story of the day on May the 4th. In 2004, Union Berlin were facing bankruptcy and couldn't afford to pay the German FA the 1.5 million euros required to participate in the 0405 season. In Germany, people received money for giving blood, so Union Berlin fans donated theirs in massive numbers and gave all of the cash to the club. They paid the German FA and 15 years later, they're eighth in the Bundesliga. Brilliant. I thought that was mm. a pretty good thing and they literally did bleed for their club. That was <laughs> an awesome story. Thought I'd mention that. Good initiative. Yes. So, Gary, what's happening at Kingsway Olympic? Oh, and how's the house coming along? Are you all settled in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first day we're sort of beginning to enjoy it, I guess, as, as you know, when you build a new house, the house is built and then everything else is left. So we, we lived in sand and, and, and dust and that for a while. But... Um, Everything, everything's just about done. Just a few pictures to put up. Plants are in, grass is in. Perfect, t- perfect timing, really, Beautiful. for uh, a football hibernation. Moving into a house gives you all that time on the dead on the weekend to well, dedicate to th- it. There's two houses being built there, Gary. There's the one at your place and the one at uh, Kingsway Reserve, where uh, the new grandstand and all the uh, improvements going on at the ground. How are they going? Uh, close to completion. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're done. We um, obviously we hosted some games during the night series, so a lot of people would have had exposure to the new facilities. Um, the city of Wanneroo have done magnificent job for the club. They've been very supportive, and obviously in a financial way through the through the facilities. Fantastic. Um, obviously, we've gained in terms of the club. We've gained a little bit of momentum. We sort of had a decent year last year um, against the odds, I guess, at, at some points. Um, then we got through to the night series final, uh, beaten by Western Knights. So we just started getting a little bit of a run, a bit of momentum, and then obviously the COVID-19 thing kicked in. And, and obviously one of the things we were really looking forward to was playing with the new facilities, you know, new dressing rooms, new medical facilities, new coaches' rooms and, and everything else. So everything's geared up at the moment for us to hopefully have a tilt with promotion this season, depending on how the season pans out and, and what the structure of the league's going to be, I guess. Oh, it's a great uh, venue. It's a cl- club very close to my heart. Uh, my dad was a former president there and uh, I was, as a kid, playing down there as a, a young tacker in, in the days when it was the green machine. So very, very close friendships with uh, that lovely club and uh, it's, you know, fantastic to see that st- uh, the stadium, which w- will provide a cauldron effect really for your side. Gary, when you're out there playing, uh, it should make uh, Kingsway Reserve a, a very uh, tough place to come to and uh, take points away from to uh, how are your boys coping during this uh, off, off uh, period? Uh, they've been keeping themselves ha- healthy with uh, programs that you've put in place uh, for them to do personally? Yeah, we've, we've put in some personal programs. We're obviously all in touch through, through a group chat, as, as everybody is these days on, on WhatsApp. Um, everybody's included. They, they obviously have their own when they want to talk about things they probably don't want me to know about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is what, um, Too much info. But, um, but, 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 yeah, look, we had a bit of a, 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 I guess, a restructure, I guess, with the coaching side this year. Uh, Gavin Tate came on board to um, help us out. Brad Rushton was with us last year. He, he did a magnificent job. Mm-hmm. Uh, William McNally's come in as our goalkeeping coach and then we've brought on uh, brought in Chris Edwards as well um, who graduated from ECU this year you know, and his expertise is in the sports science area so Chris has designed a couple of programs for the, for the lads to work three to four days a week 
uh, with some oversight from, from us as well, obviously. Um, so it's geared toward, towards football. Um, and that's been posted on the group chat. Uh, look, I trust my players. I'd be silly to say, and I'd be unrealistic to say, everybody's doing exactly what's on there every day of the week for the time period allowed. Um, but you've got to try and trust your players, and, and I do trust our group. We've got a good group. Um, really nice guys, as, as I said when I came to the club. We, we want good players, but we want good people as well. I think we have that at our club. Um, and I've no doubt a lot of them will be work, working towards the programme that we're giving them. Um, but as I said to Penny the other day, we'll find out on the first day back. Gary, do you think that all of your players will come back and be raring to go 100%? Um, I know we're talking about uh, semi-professional football. Um, life gets in the way and um, some guys might have had a pretty tough time with work and other things and others might be Zooming along with work and be in one of those industries that's just incredibly busy and has had to put in extra time and hours and whatever. Do you, do you think that you'll get the same group exactly back on the training track again? Yeah, look, I think so at the moment. I know one or two of them have had some, some issues with work and hours being reduced um, and what have you, which has affected a, a, a large percentage of the community, I guess. Um, but there's certainly been no feedback to me directly from any of the players to say that they you know, they have other commitments, they won't be able to commit to football. So I'm anticipating all of them coming back. And, I, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing them again in a, in a football environment. But... Um, as I say, I, I think they would have informed me by now, um, but I'm, I'm fully anticipating all of, all of them coming back. And, and that's the best scenario, isn't it? Because yeah. Football West at the moment are sending out information to all of the clubs in Western Australia mm. to review their numbers of teams and in what levels they are so they can, and that's due by Monday or Tuesday this coming week, so that everybody can have some kind of competition that they need to know what numbers are to restructure again and who knows what that will be. Let's hope it's the same as it was but in maybe different days and time. I can imagine night games happening, maybe a couple of games in a week, um, a shortened season, the summer sports having to shorten their season and maybe change over. There's going to be a different format. Yeah, and, and obviously the uh, the cup rounds probably being taken out of the uh, the fixturing because yep. I don't think there'll be room for cups this year. Yep. Mm. Yeah, and we have to yeah, accommodate other I, sports in the same situation. Yep. Yeah, I think it's difficult. When you're within the football circles, as you guys are, no doubt you'd have heard one or two different scenarios of what's going to happen when we come back. But until we get it rubber stamped and agreed, you know, mm. we only need one more outbreak of, of this virus mm. and everything will shut down again. So yeah. um, small steps, I guess. Let's get back into training. Uh, whatever capacity we come back in, we'll, we'll work with it. Ideally... Certainly, for I suppose from a selfish perspective, for, for clubs like ours, we, we're working towards getting in the NPL. Um, and if that's not brought in this year, we'll work with what we've got. Ideally, we'd love promotion and relegation. But whether there's time, you know, clubs don't have floodlights. Cricket kicks in around about September, October. So then there's competition for facilities. So whether we can get a full season in or not remains to be seen. But we'll be governed by what the West wants to do, I guess. So just on that uh, tilt for promotion, how, how much did your squad change from last year's uh, uh, successful squad, Gary? Did, did you recruit a, a great number or, or pretty much stuck with most of the boys with a few add-ons here and there? Yeah, there's been a few. Look, I not to answer that question, Don, I'll probably go back to when I joined because mm. we had a we had a massive turnover last year, but, but we had to. When I, when I arrived there, which is early February, um, one or two things had happened at the club. Um, Graham had left, and a number of players followed him to go to Forest Field. Yep. Uh, and then essentially, when I got there, 
and, I, and I'm not exaggerating. We we had players there, but players clearly weren't up to the level the level of what we needed them to be. Mm. Um, so when I sat down with the committee, I said we've got to do this in, in two phases. Really, the first one is let's just get some players in. Yep. Um, some of those probably won't be good enough to, to get us to where we want to go. So we'll continue to shuffle through the season. And where we ended up at the end of last season was we were actually only two points off the top with four games to go. Mm. So it was a good run. We've done really well. Mm. We've done really well. And then we, you know, a couple of pivotal moments in those last two or three games killed us, to be fair, and, and well up the streets ahead as well, if I'm perfectly honest, yep. um, with, with their setup and their players and whatever. So um, during the pre season, look, we intended on keeping almost an unchanged squad with probably three or four. Changes. Um, sometimes things overtake you. Um, you know, we had Josh Tucker who, who desperately wanted to keep, but work put in the way. He got a promotion. Kieran Ballard we wanted to keep, but again, work came in. He got a new job, which meant he couldn't commit to football. So, at our level, we've got to be ready for these changes. We've got to be flexible. We there's, there's two key players that we would have liked to have kept, um, but events overtook us. They didn't leave us because they wanted to. It through work. So, we have made some changes. Again, without looking at my, my figures, I guess seven or eight new players have come in and a number of players have, have left. But, you know, as well as me, it's only been a day long enough that happens. Yeah, no, that's, that that's football. Yeah. every club every year. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yep. No, that's uh, part part of the game. Uh, how about um, has the club looked at um, bringing in import players uh, as as we did back at Sterling, where there, there were what I call key spine players? Have you looked at uh, that that uh, side of recruitment as well? We did. There was there was one or two, as you know. Obviously, my my roots are back in the old country, yep. um, and I went back there in November to mm. see my parents. Um, and kept in contact with one or two friends and one or two opportunities arose. But again, it comes down to finance. A lot of it's down to finance. Correct. When, when yeah. you listen to what some of these players are after, you, you, just, you just laugh, I guess. So, um, <laughs> that might no, change it, a bit it, now, though, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it has. Look, all joking aside, not just for the international players, I think the local players, I think that's got to change. I yes. don't think the... Um, Reality check. You look at the... Absolutely, massive reality check. You, you look at the clubs at the moment, even when we come back, hopefully in four or five weeks, whatever the time frame's going to be, a lot of the clubs won't have bar facilities, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. um, or limited bar facilities, which brings in the money. Mm-hmm. What are the crowds going to be like? You know, for our club, for example, we have farmers markets on a Saturday yes. morning, which is Nincom Street. That's gone for the moment. Yep. We have a massive clubhouse, as you know. We have, we have bingo, we have darts. Yep. Uh, we have Northern Redbacks coming on a Thursday yep. to train, so they're in the yep. generating that Functions. income. Functions. Yep. At the yep. moment. Yep. So um, it won't just affect us, obviously. It'll affect all, all the clubs within the within all the divisions, I guess. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's across the board. There's definitely a realignment, but uh, I'm sure for the players uh, who are in Europe and going through this uh, pa- pandemic as we are, they'll probably look down down under and say, hmm, Australia looks like a real good, safe place. They didn't get affected. Their death w- uh, tally was very low and they might not be asking the big money, just want to come down here for... Uh, that might uh, help save Virgin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. They'll just come down here to be safe. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm in a group chat with a few, few mates back, back there and, and mm. they're, they're still in lockdown and, and they've got massive issues over there as, as it's been well documented in the news. We are, God bless, we are very fortunate 
in Australia and certainly on this side of the country. We've been extremely fortunate with the government, the way they've reacted to this to the pandemic and everything else. So hopefully that, that'll, that'll help us get back nice and quick. Yeah. Gary, I did want to ask you, one of the things that had been on the table for a little while across national football had been a second division. So from A-League having promotion and relegation, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, look, anything to get competition, anything to promote the game, anything to make the game more popular. I, I guess the, the back end of that is it's such a huge country yeah. and the finances involved. Mm. Um, who's capable of travelling from east to west, you know, five times a season? Uh, you the know, borders open to be mm. able to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You it's know, a tough so, one. Look, I'm, I'm a great believer in it. I, mm. I, I just, I'm just not sure financially whether it's viable mm. and how it's going to happen. If, if you look to, let's just take... And I don't know the financial situation of the clubs in this state, but you'd say Perth Soccer Club would be one of the more affluent clubs, I would guess. Um, could you see them? How, how could they implement that in terms of crowd, revenue, flights? Um, would they? I'm guessing that'll be full time. The players, mm. so therefore the wages double, triple. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be negative about it, but mm. I think distance is our big enemy in this country. We, um, we did talk and, about and the, having a different model of club management to enable a different success story for football. It's kind of a resetting time right now, isn't it? Mm. A lot of people are thinking uh, about how they're going to restart, mm. but not. And I hope it's not just about how they're going to restart, but <clears throat> how they can differently. Uh, manage their football that'll be more cost effective, resource effective, um, and um, maybe look at well, okay, how do we bring in an income stream that's going to help us manage the next couple of years because it'll be affected when we start. It'll be short season this year, and then next year, mm. what what do we have on our plate? So we have to have a different model. Do and we Don and Goran uh, Stadic talked about having a, a representative at a club who was a full time representative managing maybe the NPL or the club as, as an entirety. So yeah, the club business basically. Yeah, because yeah, to run a club and and be successful, it has to be run as as a quasi a business. business. Yep. That's right. Totally agree. Uh, otherwise, you go bust and um, you close the doors. And down. the reason for that is it's the number one participation sport in Australia. There's yeah. a lot of people playing it. We have to manage it in a way that's effective, that is transparent and accountable and is profitable or mm. at least, um, you know, balance the books kind of thing. Mm. And you need you need people that are there constantly and, and consistently to be able to do that. Yep. Volunteers can't do it when no. it's that big. No, no they, no, they can't. Um, I mean, when you look at what we're running at the moment, there's, there's a, you know, there's some clubs where they've got big sponsors. Um, but is that sustainable when those sponsors want to pull out? Mm-hmm. Where does that leave the club? Yeah, um, lucky and, if they've got them at this moment. Yeah, and, and I know I sound biased at the moment, but you look at our club at the moment and the way it's run, we have no big benefactor. Yes, you have your sponsors who sponsor your club from year to year, you know, for however much money it is. Mm. But then we've got income sources through the farmer's market yep. every week. You know, we, we hire that hall out two to three nights a week. For bingo. I've been up there on a Friday night before and I've had bingo, and there were 250 people in there. Mm. So... When you talk about that every club doesn't have that kind of facility, you know, a lot of the clubs here, the, the council-owned facilities, they don't have the backing in that sense or they don't have the infrastructure in terms of the buildings to generate that kind of work. They don't have the people involved in the club who have got that much time to spend at the club. We have somebody looking after the bar full-time, so they have got a full-time bar person who's there all the time. Um, 
I think the clubs would have thought of this previously. I, I, I haven't got an answer. Um, I'd love to have the answer for everybody. But <laughs> no, um, it, it's, it's a $100 million dollar question. I think, first of all, we've really got to generate that interest. I was listening with uh, the chat you had with Goran earlier. Um, and unfortunately, we have a bit of poor man's sport at the moment. Yeah, we all are. the fact that we pump it up and we want to be positive and everything, we yep. sit behind AFL. Yep. That's a, that's In a the fact. slipstream, as yeah, Don calls it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Absol- mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they get help from their government. We, we don't. The clubs have to generate all of their own money. Don, you used to be pretty, you, you know yeah. exactly what I'm, yeah. what I'm talking about. And it, it's, it's a difficult gig. It really it is. is difficult. Um, you know, a hand from the, from the government or some money down from the FFA yeah. would be nice, but then you look mm. at the FFA and they know they've got coaching staff there that they've had to lay off yep. through yep. this crisis as well. Yep. So they haven't got a lot of money. No. You know, so and yes, we're going to generate our own income stream. Where you can do that now, especially in the current economic environment that we're in, mm. I'm, I'm not too sure. We do hope that uh, the people that are in the controlling positions of our game mm. are good, effective thinkers, are mm. good strategic thinkers, so that they're looking mm-hmm. at where we're at and all of the inputs into the system so that when we move forward, they're going to make some really good, effective decisions, mm. not just keep us treading water, so to speak. Yeah, look, I think yeah, it's yeah. football. Football, sorry, sorry Gary. Uh, football across across the world, clubs are are now owned by um, wealthy uh, individuals or wealthy corporations, um, and the, the, those clubs that have got that money backing are the successful clubs around the world. Um, and you look at our A League. Um, and there's no club owned by the community, or no club owned by, um, call it, you know, let's just call it a small group of people. It's one benevolent, you know, fellow with big, deep pockets. And we, over here, we've got Tony Sage, whose pockets seem to be emptying out pretty quickly with the glory over years. Maybe um, we need a Union Berlin scenario. And union, yeah. and, and look, I think we can learn from the German model. The, the German Bundesliga um, went through. All that we're going through many many years ago, and uh, and and they went and cleaned it up. They actually set up a model that worked for um, regions, uh, fans. There was engagement all across the board, and I, I think it's w- well. You know, if you're going to copy someone, copy someone that's doing it right, mm-hmm. successful. Yeah, but, but at, at the moment, there's no easy answer, Gary. Is there? We'll just keep there talking. There is. About it. It. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we keep talking about it. And I, I, I'm conscious of how I sound. I sound. I'm guessing I come across as a little bit negative, but it's just what it's just what I see from Realistic. my position where yeah. where I am. You know, I, yeah. I look at Goran touched on it again. Bob Sherman, who was yeah. our technical director. Yeah, Bob Sherman is a very, very, very nice bloke and a very astute and intelligent person. Yeah. And yet, he lasted nine nine months in the job yes. and, and eventually resigned because, I guess. Some of the routes that he wanted to take were being blocked by yes. whoever, uh, and he couldn't implement what he wanted to implement. So, the other thing that he made comment upon was, you know, we have nine different member federations, and then we have the FFA, um, but the FFA don't, I don't think, have overriding power over those nine member federations. They carry a lot of power. Mm. So, when you've got nine different fa- factions, wrong word, nine member federations, who are all looking after their own bit of the pie, how do you get that agreement and that? consistency 
and continuity of what's best for the game over the whole of the country. We are going to start a whole new conversation with that one, so we're going to actually leave it there. <laughs> leave it in, yeah, let everyone dwell on that out there, Gary. <laughs> Gary, it's been fantastic having a chat with you. I appreciate your time today. I hope that uh, everyone is, is going to be fit and healthy and, and willing to do whatever it is you need to do to have a successful football season come the next couple of weeks on the park. Mm. And best wishes yeah, look, to everyone out there. Just on a positive note, guys, thanks, thanks for having us. Um, from a football perspective, we are so enthusiastic about coming back. We're desperate to come back. And in fact, I'm catching up with a couple of guys this afternoon to start planning on what we're going to do because um, we would hope to anticipate that certainly either next week or the following week we'll, we'll be back on the pitch with a bit of luck. Yeah. Um, we're just waiting for that tick of the box from the city of Wanneroo, which I'm sure will come very soon. Um, and of course, when the season starts, it's just like we have a good time. Eh? Everybody's looking forward to getting back. Give so, the give, give the uh, the crew out there uh, a big hello from all of us here, and especially from me to uh, the young up and coming president of the century, Steve Nilkowski. <laughs> <laughs> good one, thanks, Gary. Yes, all right, thank you. See, okay, see bye. you, Gary. Gary Williams, who is the Kingsway Olympic Sports Club State League men's. Yes, they call it a sports club. So that's hmm. that, yeah, that, that shows that they're quite diverse with darts and netball and um, other sports. Probably cricket. Good business model. It is a good business model. Yes. Engage the local community and we'll work together as one. It's good. Um, what do they call that uh, diversity of income streams? Is, is that, yeah. I think, what it is? So the yeah. markets and the bar yep. and all the different clubs that are there yep. um, having the registrations and multi-use of the grounds, the perfect it Solution just keeps the facility scenario. buzzing. I mean, we spoke about what happens on the East Coast, why the East eastern states have got an unfair advantage against us because they've got the pokies, which create a social issue with gambling and all that. So, you know, but the amount of income yeah. that comes from yep. the pokies allows them to spend the money to basically, mm. you know, carry uh, professional coaches and full-time staff. And uh, and they've also got, um, you know, uh, rug, uh, the leagues clubs uh, are actually uh, – venues where there's activities happening every day so like when you go to a leagues club there there's bingo happening yeah. there's there's a dance happening there's a talent quest there's this there's that so that's what our venues need to have facilities stuff happening. access to communities and yep. numbers yeah. grants okay we're moving on <laughs> uh this is don penn and miranda on the word football program we'll be back very shortly radio Fremantle 107.9 fm we are one, but we are many, and from all the land we share a dream, and sing with one voice, I am, you are, we are Australian, we are I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. 
We have the first Sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe Australia. We're all in this together. Welcome back, Australia. This is the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. Penn, Miranda and Don in the studio. And I have to say that Miranda's dad, Nick, is doing an absolutely awesome job of getting all of the social media platform things happening in the background that we don't often talk about, but it's going to lead to a podcast program that is going to be up and accessible around the world at some point and there'll be a website linking to news and all that kind of thing. And I really appreciate him doing it. So thank you, Nick. I know you're out there somewhere listening. Really appreciate all the work that you're doing there. I think someone else that's listening is our good mate Tony Sage. Um, just put up a post on Facebook. There are many rumours and media reports on victory poaching Popper. In life, all <laughs> you can do is trust in another person's word. I implicitly trust the chairman of Melbourne Victory, a good friend, when he said no approach has been made to Popper. Let the media write their stories. Let's just get the FFA and PFA working together on a deal to resume on what we all want, which is a restart on the A-League and football at all levels. Football has by far the most registered players eager to start than all the other football codes in Australia. Well said, Tony. Good on him. Bring it on. And a good morning and a good afternoon to Dean Giorgio from Goldleaf Creative. Good morning, Dean. Yes, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, Goldleaf Creative is known to the female parts of this studio team, but probably not to the male parts. It's new so. to me, so I'm ready to be educated, <laughs> Dean. Yeah. Dean, uh, <laughs> in, introduce yourself to uh, the new, the male members of our team and the listenership. Go for it. Well, look, um, yeah, it was Dean Georgia, obviously. Uh, Goldleaf Creative, we're, we're a production company, um, and we've been involved in filming... Um, women's football for the last, I'd say, eight years, um, where we started small, um, probably something that I was always passionate about, and that was documenting women's football. Um, probably had a, quite a few detract- detractors back then, sort of saying I was wasting my time, but I, I always had the big belief that, you know, women's football is a sleeping giant, and, um, and we're, sort of, we're sort of seeing that now. We're seeing the growth of women's football, and, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of glad that we've been, you know, documenting and, and um, being part of uh, the women's game now for... Um, well, I'd say a good part of eight years. Um, 
So we're based in Melbourne. Um, we travel quite a bit, and um, our, I'd say our specialty is women's football. Uh, we film it, we document it, uh, we mentor players, uh, we help them with their football CVs. We, um, uh, yeah, we've been involved with Football Victoria. We do a bit of work with uh, FFA as well. Um, so we're we're sort of involved in all aspects of uh, either filming, video production, or creative processes. We might have seen, or our listeners might have seen online, some of the uh, Goldleaf uh, productions appear when um, Miranda travels with the Junior Matildas, um, uh, ABC on uh, FFA websites, Matildas websites. Some of the, some of the links across there. So talk to us about some of the productions and the names. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it started off, I mean, just, well, quickly, like the first production was the Kick TV series. Yep. Um, which is, there's three seasons of that, which um, that actually started from my daughter, who's, um, well, she's a, she's 16 years, years old now, and she's a footballer, and um, but she was an avid um, editor, and um, just like her dad, so she used to do her own little side projects, and um, probably about eight years ago, I was filming a, uh, a team that I was coaching, um, a young girls team, which I found very interesting that it was just some some amazing characters in that team and i thought i'd really love to document this and um, maybe do a little nice little story but i never got around to it because of work and my other commitments and uh Viet, uh said look dad can i have that footage can i muck around with it and i said yeah take it and she created this 15 minute little documentary called the time to shine which um well you know people saw that um from football victoria to melissa barbieri to um steph catley got involved in the project um, and then eventually it got seen by ABC and um, they wanted it to be a little TV sort of series and it started off from there really and then um, I sort of then got more heavily involved in the process and then you know we went to Series 2 and to Series 3 and and now I'd say, well, well Series 4 is probably um, what we're doing with Miranda and her teammates and um, and the girls that we've been following at you know Pacific Islands and Thailand. It's uh, pretty amazing stuff, uh, and we did talk off air before, and, and I said, is this your full-time job? And I suspect uh, in that conversation you've mentioned a, a few things that it didn't start as your full-time job, just as you know, helping your daughter along and a bit of a novelty, but now it's a, an actual production studio. Is that uh, full-time for you? Yeah, 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 it is, it is. And you know what, it's been full-time for the last eight years uh, because <laughs> we, we do a lot of you know filming, obviously, uh, you know, Football is is our core business. You know that's where we do a lot of filming, but we do have other clients too. You know we are we do work in the coffee industry and um, you know in uh, you know food industry and we you know corporate industry. So we've we've got other clients that we do work for. But football has always been our passion, and um, I'd say that's probably the last five six years has probably been steadily probably our um, our main focus. Um, so it's always been a, a full time, and I guess with everything, I think. I believe that you've got to throw caution to the wind. If you really want to make something of it, you've just got to put, you know, in my case, you know, put all your eggs in one basket and just go for it. If you're passionate about something, um, hopefully people will see that you are passionate and um, they will sort of, uh, you know, um, ride the wave with you. So that's what we've been doing. So, Dean, um, just uh, thinking a little bit outside the box now on your great initiative, with Fox yep. no longer uh, having the rights for uh, the A-League, <laughs> is there room for your little yeah, uh, operation to rise and uh, become a, a mega a, a mega media group to uh, help t- telecast the A-League around the country? And the W-League. And the W-League. <laughs> w- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't know. Look, I mean, I, I would love to be involved, you know, um, Look, at the moment, you know, we've got our 
T- yeah, our kick TV series on Fox, actually. So um, they've picked it up, and there's, you know, and, and I've always sort of shown interest in that sort of space. Um, and I've always said, look, I've got to be honest. Look, I, I do follow A League. I, I do follow the men's game, but I, I, I know it sound, might sound weird to some, but I'm really passionate about women's football, and it just appeals to me. I think it's it's there's there's a different dynamic with women's football that I love, and. I think the problem is that too many people try to compare, you know, like they try to put them in the same box and saying, yeah, men and women's football are the same. Yes, they are the same, but there's also a different beauty, you know, in, in both sectors. And the women's game just brings a completely different dynamic. And I think that's what we fell in love with and what we have fallen in love with. And um, if they, you know, if Fox say, hey, listen, do you want to do more projects? Do you want to sort of broadcast? Do you want to develop another series? Do you want to... Do more stories. Oh, I'm, I'm up for it. You're so, up for it. Right. Um, yeah, well, yeah, otherwise, yeah. who who else would be out there to replace uh, Fox? In uh, you know, at, at, let's call it at the the higher higher end has the capacity to uh, uh, provide the funding that uh, the A League needs uh, for TV rights. Who who are the oh, other I big th- boys? I think Op- look, Optus are looking like the you know, look. They're really investing heavily in football. Yep. Um, and you can tell, like, you know, I know a few guys from Melbourne that have travelled and moved to Sydney, yeah. um, and they're basically doing, like, short stories and profiles on football, you know, people, clubs and all that. So they're really heavily investing in, in football. And I think, you know, if, if Fox Sports are not really going to sort of take it up um, and they're going to sort of leave it way behind, I think Optus will be the, the, the obvious answer. It's interesting. ABC picked up the rights for the W League in some format, and I think is SBS cover Matildas. I think so. We've got you know bits and pieces of coverage for women's football. Uh, just a, as a comment, just comparing, and maybe we don't want to do that, but I'm just to men's football with the Socceroos. If you think of the footage over the past nth number of years of Socceroos games, young Socceroos, blah, 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 they, they cover everything. It, it's in the media. They've got archive and so on and so on. But in, when you think of yep. young young Matildas, junior Matildas, you don't have that same kind of archive or footage or technical people following the the groups maybe until the last couple of years, World Cup and so on. But um, mm. is that where what you've seen, you've seen there's been that kind of gap there and thought, well, someone needs to fill that space. There's um, young ladies coming through like Matilda who's sitting here in the studio and her dad would be yeah. listening in right now and thinking we need people that are doing this kind of stuff so that when they go from here to an NTC program or to a glory program or to a semi-professional or, or professional league somewhere in the world, there's some kind of connection of statistics or apps or media footage where people, an agent can look at this and someone can say, no, that's our player and we've got the rights. To, you know, all those kind of things are still waiting to be found in women's football, aren't they, here? Yeah. Look, definitely, definitely. And I think there's definitely room for that. And I think, you know, I don't know what, look, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's definitely investment. Um, investment needs to be put in there. And this is where, like, you know, with football, as we know, like you look at AFL, that's sort of, you know, the way, you know, money's funneled. It's you know, it's from top to down, and that's why you get Oz kick, and you know, it's being sort of subsidised and all that. Where football's still at that level where it's you know, you know, bottom up, um, where you know we need uh, an injection of funds and money in there, so that way there is an injection in women's football, especially because for me the reason I mean, without sort of sounding you know, like I said, you know, um, in a negative sort of way for men's football, but men's football is always going to be going to be a hard slog and the reason I say that is because they're up against countries that have been playing football for many many years so every time men's football advances 
let's say men's football Australia advances 10 years, mm. well, the, the Europe and, and the South American countries, they're already advancing another 10 years. So we're always going to be behind the eight ball mm. until we make some real major sort of change and restructure of, of, of football here in Australia. But women's football is on par with the rest of the world. Mm. It's sort of been played at the same time, started at the same time. We're in the top four or five of, you know, of the best countries in the world uh, for women's football. So for me, if, if, if Australia really got behind women's football and injected a little bit of money, a bit more sort of resources, mm. uh, we'll be the best in the world in, in no time mm. because we do have the players. We have the ability. We have the, you know, we have the, um, you know, like, well, I'd say we've got great sort of, you know, Australia's a great country for sport. And, and I always find that when we get behind a sport like swimming, you know, I don't know when Australia gets behind swimming, yep. we, we produce some of the best swimmers. Yeah. We can do the same thing with women's football. So that's where I see it. But there's got to be an injection of money in that. Um, now, to speak for myself, I guess that's where I'm not, I don't want to say I'm lucky, but because I've been documenting women's football for, let's say, eight years, I have archival footage. And that's why I, I sort of find to tend to do a bit of work with, you know, sort of some of the federations or with FFA because they know that I do have, like what you were saying there before, Penny, I, you know, I've got footage of Kyra Cooney Cross from when she was 12. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, some of the girls, are, you know, um, there's some other young girls that are up and comers and I've been documenting them now for the last, you know, whatever, five, six years. So, so if any of these players do end up becoming Matildas, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can, I, I, <laughs> I've got it. I've got all the archival footage of all these girls from their interviews, from them playing from their clubs and, and, and I want to keep that going and I want to sort of keep progressing in that manner. I want to keep doing that, even with the, hopefully with the Perth girls too. You talked about investment and that being maybe the the difference. You said you're not sure why, but I think it is the investment and the, this crisis that we're in right now or the challenge that we're in right now, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on the other side of it with the big mm. progress that women's football has made in the last couple of years with status and investment from sponsors, uh, profile, uh, travel for um, no, notoriety, all those kind of things have happened, just gone through the roof in the last couple of years. Now we're in the crisis that we're in. On the other side mm. of that, people aren't going to be spending, sponsors aren't going to be investing in the same kind of ways because of the reason that we're all in and how that mm. will affect women's football. What's your thoughts on that? Look, it probably will affect it. I mean, there's no doubt. But I think this is a great opportunity to also really, like, take a step back and sort of say, like, look, we we do have momentum. But, we, you know, for me, like, I'm looking at them thinking, does W League also need to sort of focus? Because, look, W League focuses usually on Matilda players, you know, like mm-hmm. high-level players that come from uh, overseas and back to our country. And I think we, we need to have that and still invite that. But we've got some great youngsters. You know, why doesn't W League look at maybe um, homegrown talent now, you know, like the, the next wave and and get some momentum and, and some excitement behind the players that we have now, you know, that are in the junior Matildas ranks and in the young Matildas and get, you know, let's look more local and sort of get back to grassroots, you know, and I think I think that's what we're missing, you know. Like, I've, I come from Melbourne and, and, like, I look at AFL, for example. I think AFL, where they've gone sort of, uh, you know, to their detriment is they became too corporate. You know, they they forgot about grassroots, you know, you know, when I was young, when you'd go to Victoria Park or you'd go to Glenfrey Oval, that was your local ground. There was an identity about it. There was grassroots about it. Everyone knew the team. Everyone knew their players. Um, and, and it created such a buzz. And I think women's football should really, like, sort of, you know, nurture that sort of side of it. So if we are going to have a problem with investment, 
well, then we need to relook at the model and say, do we need to go back to sort of, you know, the hardcore grassroots supporting our young up-and-comers, you know, our talented up-and-comers and giving them the experience? You talk about um, money needed to be pumped into women's football to, you know, get it to be the the call it, the top of the world, top of the class. Um, where do you think, you know, where we, we've been talking about money this morning with a whole lot of other people at club level and, and in WA where we're not, uh, uh, I won't call it fortunate, but we haven't got the benefits of uh, uh, pokies and, um, you know, uh, league clubs, you know, so, so uh, call it seven day a week um, functioning uh, centres. Our, our football clubs are pretty much, um, you know, trained Tuesday, Thursday for the seniors, uh, Monday, Wednesday or f- uh, Wednesday, Friday for the juniors and then played on Saturday and Sunday and they, they don't really get to use their facility or their venue as much. I mean, where else can we tap in for funding? Obviously, the, the answer is government, but if government doesn't step up, where, where else can we get that funding from? That's a, it's, that's, a, that's a hard one, Don, because really, like, government needs to step up. That's where, you know, this is where, you know, I look at that and I think, how much money does the AFL get from the government? Yes. You know, um, you know in regards to what we do. And we're... This is where it's disappointing because we we have the, the greatest participation, yeah. um, Australia wide, you know, uh, football, and we're still sort of you know really scraping the bottom of the barrel when mm. it comes to funds. Yep. So things need to change, you know, up the chain. Yep. Um, I, and I don't know how that's done. I don't know if we need to lobby. I don't know if it's, we've got the right people in the in the in the, in the high places mm. um, that can make those changes. But that's where the funding comes from. Um, do, do you, you know, know what, then, uh, Dean? I just I, I feel really strongly about this, and I just have to move into this conversation. <laughs> is that yes. we've been talking about changing the model of football because we, I think we all agree that something needs to change about football. We're quite fragmented. Um, I would like to see us be unified in a way that whatever money comes into the sport, it goes into. A, or a part of the organisation which is at the top and they are effective decision makers and that filters down to everybody in an effective way. That's the perfect model. I think we could all agree on that. And then we have differences in each state and it's applied by those in each state or at the top who can see those differences and it's shared equitably. doesn't happen that way. Um, but um, I think that I would like to see the model change so that it, there's an even footing at the ground to start. So if money was put in, let's say, by the government to the infrastructure and there was hubs of football and everybody had a hub like Kingsway Olympic Sports Club, which I think is a great model. They've got a marketplace that happens. They've got bars. They've got bingo. They've got various sports that play at this huge yeah. facility here in Western Australia, Dan. It's amazing. I love it. Mm. If every club or a sports association had that in five different areas around Perth, for example, they could all produce an income just like that and be Mm. self-sustaining. Why do we have to rely on a sponsor or a benefactor or the government? Why can't we create that ourselves? But we need an infrastructure to do that. Yeah, I agree. But the the other other problem is that I find, like, I don't know if it's like with you guys there, but in Melbourne here in Victoria, I think you you touched on it before, before I came on, everything's owned by councils. Mm. You know, and so we're at the mercy of other people yeah. all the time. We yeah. we can't own our own facility. You, you go overseas to Europe, the clubs own their facilities. They run their facilities. They can open them when they want. They can close them when they want. Mm. They can they dictate the terms, and they can dictate also the, the amount of you income. You just burst my bubble, young man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so, and, and that's where the problem here is, is that we're at the mercy of councils, yeah. and and that's and and the councils own the grounds and the rights, and and we're at the mercy of them, and this is where yeah. the problem is. So. Clubs cannot function. You know, they can't function and generate a, a revenue or an income and, and create, like you said, that hub. There are a few clubs here in Victoria, I'm not going to name them, but there are a few that have that 
where they have their ground, they have their stadium, same, they have their bistro. Same in Perth. And, same in Perth. Yeah, and, and they're doing really well. And you know what's really funny is that they're doing well financially and all of a sudden it's, like, it's, a, it's a domino effect. They start um, affording better coaches. Mm. Then all, the, all of a sudden we've got this great female, all the best female players go to that club. Mm. You know, and then that club becomes a powerhouse of yep. a club. Yep. Um, and this is the this is the problem. So it is a high level up the chain sort of chain, uh, change of of the way you know. And I'm not I'm not sort of well versed in that sort of the, the legality of that. But um, yeah, where we have more sort of um, autonomy or authority of, of what we can do with our facilities. I have a question, um, Miranda. Mm. Is the system still mainly pay as you go? for the levels of football that you're participating in? Yeah, I'd say you have to, you know, pay your way, you know, everything in WA, you're paying your club fees, you're paying um, all your registration fees, you pay to go away to national youth championships. But once you break into the national teams, um, you know, Thailand, the Pacific Islands, that's all paid for you. But to get your way there, it is a pay-as-you-go. So in the NTC, participating in the Perth Glory... All those kind of things. Yeah, Glory, you know, is you're employed by the club. You have a contract. Um, yes. But then, you know, to get noticed by Glory, you know, NTC, you're paying your way to play for NTC. Yep. Um, just the same as you would any other club. And your parents are taking you to and from, so there's a cost and time factor for them as well. So, mm. so a lot of the money is coming from participants who want to be engaged in the sport. So if if the prime thing about bringing us together is we love the sport and we want to connect, and this is what is hurting us at the moment with um, mental health and not the isolation thing, if we can connect in some way, be it a council ground or uh, a club-owned ground, and we can connect at those places and they are places where we want to connect, I think we can create a model that can create an income because if the likes of Miranda will – be paid by her parents to register at the local club and then her parents can go and have a meal at the bar while Miranda's training with the NTC or the Glory and then there's bingo in the next room um, and there's another sporter and they've got something happening in the other hall. That kind of environment is the perfect scenario Mm. and that could be a council ground. Absolutely. Mm. Why not? So I just think that we, we we can provide that infrastructure. We can. We just need to change how we're doing it. We do, and there's got to be change. Like, look, the fact that Miranda said that, you know, she's got to pay for NTC. Mm. For me, like, I mean, and I know a lot of people get their nose out of joint, but mm. players should not be pay, pay, paying for for state representation. Absolutely, if you, 100%. If, you're, if, you're, if you've been yeah. selected and you've been scouted and selected to represent your state, yep. you should not be paying. Well, back back um, when, we, and, when I was a kid, long, long time ago, uh, you, you mm. if you got uh, selected for the state, Everything was paid for. The trips to yeah. Indonesia or wherever the tur- tournament was, the, the yeah. they used to put them in blazers, nice suits, you know, not trackies, but a proper suit, you know, with a kit bag, and you know, it was like the, it, it was an honour to represent mm. your country or your state, and it was paid for. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it changed. It was weird. Yeah, it is, and 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 Penny and Don, like one thing I'm going to add to this is the way you know, the, the the governing sort of body is engaging with clubs. This is the other thing. I think clubs need to be engaged more um, and have a say um, with, you know, with like your NTC programs, with your FFAs, because I look at the model, for example, this is how income is made in overseas. So, for example, if you're in Spain and you, you belong to a, a local club and let's say that local club um, has nurtured Miranda. Mm. Now, Miranda then becomes that great player and then she moves into the next club 
the next one. What happens is there is a payment and there is an ongoing payment. So someone like, for example, Ozil, who's in Arsenal, his club that he was a 12-year-old is still getting paid. Yeah, that's and that keeps clubs alive. That's it keeps yeah, you, and try and imagine now if Ozil does, let's say he goes and and gets um, you know his deal is worth you know whatever you know, three hundred million dollars. They get they get a percentage of that every time. So imagine like like what that does for a club. So and what that does is that when you incentive you know when you have an incentive for a club, then clubs then want to produce more players and better players. Yeah. So there's an incentive for clubs here. Clubs you've got like an MPL club for example. MPL club, they produce great players, and then they go to the A-League, and that's it. They're gone. These clubs get nothing for it. Mm. Um, they're not recognised, and it's done. And, and then the clubs are like, well, what are, what are we doing here? Where if there was some kind of recognition and there was some kind of you know payback, um, you know, or maybe the, like a star rating, but a proper star rating, where mm. this club has produces some of the best you know young female talent, they're going to get a five star rating, and also there's there's an incentive you know with payment. So as long as these players go up the chain, they keep getting some kind of sort of um, uh, payback. And then that just it's a great incentive for clubs. And that's how you get then, um, how can I say, buy-in from the clubs. At the well, moment, there's no buy-in. Well, the, clubs, look at NT, club, clubs look at NTC like, are oh, they coming to steal my players? Yes. As a club, you then invest in development because you can see that there's a payday coming yeah. that'll keep your club yeah. alive for a long, long time. So, I agree with that. You know, and, and some clubs do development better than other clubs. So I'm not going to yeah. say every club has to do development, but if, you are, if you're able to assemble the right team of coaches, have the right structure in place and put programs together that bring these kids through and get the outcomes yeah. at professional high level, you deserve yeah. to be rewarded. I wonder if we could put a contract with um, Miranda's dad, Nick, for media training and apprenticeship. <laughs> So that once she becomes a famous media personality, then uh, we've got some kind of claim and, and ongoing residual income from that. And, and she might she might be a special comments lady for Gold Leaf Creative. Yeah, maybe, but I, I, I've got a feeling that Nick's just uh, turned off his radio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Dean, it's been fantastic having a chat with you. Really appreciate your time. Love the work that you're doing with uh, Gold Leaf Creative. Uh, they pop up yep. on social media forums uh, across from FFA to Matildas and, and so on. So good work with that, and, and keep doing it. It's uh, something we need. Well, I got educated today, so I'll be I'll be catching uh, catching up on more of your work, Dean. So thanks for the. No, uh, thanks. You know, no, thanks, Don. And like I said, yeah, I think uh, this week, Miranda. I think I believe there'll be like a trailer that's going to be released on the uh, Pacific Island. So, um, which Ooh, is sort of like a, waiting for. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a trailer. So we're we're working on the on the documentary. So that should be finished in the next uh, two months, I'd say. So good work. And I'll be yeah. All good. Miranda's good a young stuff. star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's great. She's great. I wish we uh, Miranda was in Melbourne. Um, it would be great, you know, so. <laughs> Mitt's off. <laughs> she's a WA girl. She's staying here. The borders are closed. <laughs> We're not opening up again. <laughs> good on you, Dean. Have a great weekend. No, all right. Thanks, guys. See you, Thanks Dean. Very much. Bye. That was Dean Giorgio from Goldleaf Creative, uh, whom you might have seen with productions like The Time to Shine and The Kick series, which he said yeah. is just going to appear on Fox but was on ABC in the last couple of years. Oh, he's doing some great work there. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, been very creative and good on him. Just uh, coming out of seeing the need and mm. going with his passion and yep. now it's become a business. And uh, very much like Anne O'Dong, yes. I've got to say, yeah. Anne sat here and yep. chat to a very young Sam Kerr when yes, Anne right. was young and Sam yep. was young yep. and then 
stayed with the program a few years and then expanded and then did the women's game and that became huge, social mm-hmm. platform for women's football across Australia and the world, yeah. travelled with lots of touring teams and now she's working with the FFA and the Women's World Cup bid. Yeah. What a story. <laughs> yes. Magic, magic. That's our Annie. It is, it is. We are going to go to break and we are going to come back and have a chat with Stephanie Branch from the ABC. This is Pen, Don and Miranda on the World Football Programme. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. It's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal, and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. The feeling when Glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Suddenly everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering, yelling and flag waves. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Thank you for listening in, everyone. Penn, Don and Miranda in the studio and Stephanie Brantz from ABC on the line. Good afternoon, Steph. Good afternoon. How are you all? We're pretty awesome. We've got some pretty talkative guests 
this morning. We've covered everything and very passionately, I might say, too. It's that not being able to express that physically on the field, I think, has meant that uh, emotionally it's just come out on the radio. It's all coming out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Which has been great. How are, how's the in- environment looking for you at the moment, like sporting-wise? I mean, it's very different for you as a commentator. Well, it's been pretty dire, I've got to say. On uh, March the 14th, when New Zealand uh, cricket packed its bags and headed home from that one-day international, I watched my diary just evaporate. (laughs) Uh, It was quite extra. I've never seen anything like it. I was booked solid until September, and then everything within four days. Phone call after phone call after email after email mm-hmm. saying, uh, Steph, as you can imagine, uh, this event's not going forward at this point. We'll contact you when we know what's happening. And that just went on for days. It was horrible. And uh, initially I thought, oh, okay, well, this is fantastic. I'm getting a little bit of a holiday. And then you think, oh, actually, it's a very long unpaid holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you just start missing, uh, you know, sport and and people and just the the regular things, but I know that health and safety is the the priority. Uh, but it's been a very strange existence, and I imagine everyone uh, in media and sport and events is going through the same thing. Yes, there's been lots of rollbacks of restrictions across various states in the past few weeks, and I think by the time we catch up with the current restriction, there's a new one being rolled out that is being uh, loosened a bit, which is fantastic because here in WA we're doing pretty awesome, mm. um, not as good as Northern Territory who are the opposing with their beers at the moment, <laughs> but uh, we're not far behind. <laughs> so I think that for us, um, I'm imagining maybe within two weeks that most of the clubs here across Western Australia will actually be able to put their feet on the grass and have some form of football, be it without heading or touching the ball or um, what was yeah, the thing, no tackling. They, Pam, I wonder about your sporting teams as far as them having to relocate. It, um, I really feel for them because, once again, uh, travel's always been the issue for any teams based in Western Australia. And now they're just going to make it harder on them, aren't they, by making more relocate to the eastern seaboard. <laughs> it doesn't I, seem fair, does it? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a sense of unfairness there, but I think for all the players, they'd just be champing at the bit just to play. So they'll say, bring it on, whatever the challenge is. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll adapt to it. And I think that's what this virus has done for all people in the community. Everyone's has been forced to adapt in uh, you know various ways. It's going to test yeah, the economics right. a bit Thank more, you. isn't it? When you say relocation of teams for competitions, the one that springs to mind is um, the AFL and their proposed hub system. Mm. So you know if mm. WA want to be a part of it, obviously they've got to um, relocate a team, which might mean relocating their families as well mm. uh, for whatever period of time that might be. Um, it's it's going to hurt in different ways. It's going to hurt because there'll be families that will relocate. It'll hurt because there's the you know, money involved with the relocation of that and who will be able to afford that. Mm. No, that's a, a fair point as well. And, and I think with the A-League, the uh, delay in uh, resuming competition through to most likely the beginning of August, uh, I wonder if that's actually going to turn out to be the wisest move because there'll be a lot more um, relaxing They'll be more relaxing as the restrictions for every state mm. and I don't think the borders will be quite as tight then and I wonder if that makes it easier for a competition that's truly national. Well, with Virgin having its economic problems um, and no travel, like open travel at the moment, I, I wonder also, I think Qantas might have been, I'm just trying to think who they sponsored and 
and who Virgin sponsored and how that would affect those teams um, money-wise and also with the airlines not actually being functional uh, or being able to afford to do whatever, how the teams are going to travel and how the fans would travel as well um, by bus or get in the car and do a long road trip. Like all those things have got to be considered in the support thereof as well. Mm, well, it'd be nice just to be able to talk about uh, fans being uh, somewhere. Yes. Uh, I think that's probably a long way off. Yes. And I mean, isn't it weird, guys? I mean, the W League final feels like forever ago. Yes, it and does. It actually wasn't that long ago, but that was the last, uh, well, one of the last live uh, sport events I certainly worked on. And I remember then they were already closing the stadiums and I remember needing to get approval to travel to yep. Melbourne to do that because uh, ABC had even stopped all but essential travel. Uh, but FFA was so keen to make sure that season finished and I'm really glad they did because I, I think that we would never have got that back. Yep. Uh, I don't know how what that picture looks like, uh, so certainly for women's football. Uh, but I remember they allowed 100 people in and yep. it was the, the family and friends uh, mainly of Melbourne City, uh, and it was quite nice. And I thought, "Wow, this looks really odd," but yeah. I think that odd is going to be the new normal. Yeah. Well, we could do what um, is it, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach? Yeah. <laughs> the cutouts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so novel. So novel. It's great. I mean, look, you got to come up with some creative solutions, and we've been talking you know, through the show this morning about the economics of things and how we might need to create new models and how we're reassessing the current structure of everything and how it needs to be more effective at the moment, cost-effective to survive, and how that will look in the future. And one of the things that kind of I was thinking about was when the W League starts again, because it will, there'll be players that won't be here. There'll be players that will be overseas and they can't get here. Uh, like maybe we can't afford to bring them in because we don't have the money in the league or the country that they're coming from hasn't opened their borders. So we might be looking at a different set of players that will be competing in our national competition. Mm, absolutely. And, and what, what does that look like for everyone around the world? I think yep. it's going to be so long before we see any level of of normality, and I've got to say what surprised me the most is the dire financial straits that every single sport appears to be in. Yep. Who knew? Mm. We needed a crisis for everyone to go, oh, actually, we've got no money and we're uh, we're gambling against future earnings. Mm. <laughs> it was it was shocking. It really was. And I think everyone will take a, a whole new uh, perspective and the, the international players are going to be an interesting one because it, it depends their particular restrictions in their own country. And it's a conversation I've been having very closely with people in the US because I work on the US Open Tennis. Mm. Uh, and that's a really tricky one because you're talking tournaments uh, there that those players come from, I don't know, what is it, 40, 50 different countries? Mm. And each one of them will have different restrictions and do they want to travel to the US? I mean, I can't imagine that New York is the top of anyone's bucket list right now. (laughs) 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 Last place you want to be right now, that's for sure. But um, Australia and New Zealand are are tracking well and I just spotted something off our Football West uh, stream saying that Australia will learn if it's bid to stage the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023 is successful when the host country is announced by FIFA on the 25th of June. 
and that Perth is in with okay, a great so shout. To, up, yeah, that's yeah, coming up. Yeah, that'd so, be great. Perth, and, and wouldn't it be lovely? Oh, look, yeah. you know, the good thing is we've got the, our WA state government giving full backing for games to be uh, played here in Perth, and that's something we've never had, you know, so we've finally got government support for our code here in edge, Perth. We have an edge, don't we? Because yeah. in Australia we've done absolutely awesome through this crisis mm. and yep. that puts us in a really good standing for the world. Mm. Yes, Yep, and 2023, yeah, it it's, it's a... It, it does. And I, and I did have a giggle about the uh, rumour about the Premier League completing in, in it, Perth. I thought that, that was, was a nice story to get Perth on the map again, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. Great story for Perth, you know, just... And it was our, our good mate, uh, Gary Bongo-Williams, who's a, a well-known player agent, uh, sort of back and forth between ECU Joondalup and uh, and the... Uh, the English Premier League. I think there's probably been a, a, a dozen players that he's um, had a hand in, if not more than a dozen, where he's uh, introduced <laughs> him to uh, the uh, the EPL. So he's he's well connected. Oh, he's well connected. Yeah, certainly, and that, and that would have been an absolute hoot. But uh, <laughs> more realistically, the World Cup uh, mm. would be wonderful. Yeah. And I think particularly uh, the way that uh, Western Australia has been able to. Well, you've almost been an island within an island, haven't you, during mm. the uh, <laughs> yeah. yep. uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So, yeah, in safe hands was, uh, I think, the motto for uh, or safe pair of hands for the for the men's World Cup. Bid. And, and I think we stand a much, much better chance uh, to be in with the shout for the women. Just on the um, professional side of things, Steph, with uh, uh, the media, um, you know, I'm, I've got friends in the media, and uh, and the, the, these have been real worrying times for a lot of people in different industries. But uh, the media, in particular, seems to be going through a massive change. With um, you know, jobs now being put on the line at the print printing press uh, side of things, and also um, you know, in, at TV stations where uh, once upon a time we had lots of people talking sport now. They're not. Um, do you see these jobs coming back after we're, we're back to uh, a relative normal? Well, that's a really good question, and we, we've seen uh, over the past month or so how many people have been stood down or laid off by Fox Sports, which uh, you know they called themselves the sport leader, and they were the place that if you wanted a job in sport, you wanted to get a start in sport, that's where you went. Yep, and that's been fr- quite frightening to see how many of my friends and colleagues mm. have walked out of those offices in the last uh, even two months. This started actually before the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and it's been a little bit scary, scary for football. Uh, I don't think the football landscape, as far as media goes, will come back in the same way. Uh, I don't think there'll be as much money from traditional uh, sort of uh, television viewing and broadcasting contracts. Uh, I think the FFA very wisely and of course, the new independent A-League are looking at an OTT model, the, the streaming model that's been so successful in other places. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And I think football does have enough uh, fans and eyeballs to be able to support that sort of model. But it's got to be thought through uh, really well and what that looks like for the people that work in sport. Uh, who knows? I mean, we all know now that, you know, the, the old days where you did a journalism degree and then you started a cadetship or, or, or an internship or something like that. Those days are long gone. Uh, now you can be a, an athlete and retire and be on television the next day. Yeah. Um, and many of them are. Uh, but the, the days of the, the traditional uh, media, yeah, they're never going to be the same again. And, and the other thing we found, and I've done about 20 of them now, is that 
everything's uh, on Zoom or on uh, uh, Microsoft Teams or things like that. Mm. And people have realised that you can actually broadcast from your living room. Mm. Yep. Um, are they going to spend that much money doing it? The, the traditional way and take all those production costs on board, uh, who knows? Uh, I think people have perhaps just be- become so desperate for uh, new live content that... Um, I want to say the production values have dropped, but uh, that hunger for content means people are willing to accept new norms. Accept new norms. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Steph. Something that I, I guess, having been involved uh, with this program for a long time and uh, women's football and seeing all the changes, uh, one thing that I do quite like is BBC and ABC listening to and watching the professionalism about it. Mm. And it's a bit of a benchmark for me that um, out on social platforms, like you say, you can become your own star from your own living room. Mm. So on those platforms that I value, we're starting to see people in their living rooms. Mm. So the standards for me are changing and uh, I, I must say I like the professionalism. I'm, I'm going for I like the professionalism. I like someone in a suit who talks very properly, who looks very good, who to me is the benchmark of their profession. So that's that's what to me is the norm and, and that's changing because of you know the world we're living in. You can't get to the places that you normally can because of the restrictions, uh, the economics are changing. So I, I just I, I hope that it retains the standards moving forward or goes back to them or it doesn't change to that new norm being afterwards, being the same norm. I'm, I'm I'm a bit hesitant about that. I'm sorry if that's very very opinionated, but that's okay. I, I kind of like those benchmarks being set so high, and mm. I want them to be retained. I want mm. them to go back that way afterwards. Mm. Yeah, I hope a lot of things go back the way they were afterwards. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> this, is okay. This is okay for a period of time. I've actually, you make me laugh though because I've been doing my crosses into ESPN Sports Centre from my office or my home office, uh, and. It's never been that clean on one side of the room. <laughs> Quite extraordinary. <laughs> and the other thing is that I, well, I came into it sort of a lot later than a lot of uh, the people who've been crossing into other channels. So I've seen a lot of people doing these these Skypes or whatever. And I've just noticed that people that do them daily or very regularly, they're getting lower and lower and lower in their chair. Um, they've <laughs> stopped bothering with proper lighting. <laughs> Wardrobe's gone out the window. <laughs> and, and I thought after four or five days, I thought I can see how that happens because my crosses are at midnight. So that's for the time difference in the US. Yeah. And sometimes you think, ah, will anyone notice if I don't put my makeup on? Or Steph, I'm just saying I notice, all right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and I, just, <laughs> I just wanted to say something else too. We were, we were talking about um, the, you know, money involved in things and something someone said in one of the articles I read uh, was a, a correction of wages. This is a time for a correction of wages and, and it we might call it a reality check. So how in professional sport there's all this money going into it, it was. But uh, greed, now, greedy rat race, we call yeah, it. I'm trying to be really nice yeah. and, and diplomatic about it. But, yeah. okay. but, but one thing that doesn't change is that people who love the sport do it regardless. Mm. So you'll find that Miranda, whether she's paying for it or not, or someone else is paying for it on her behalf. She'll be doing it because she loves it, and her parents will provide yeah. that opportunity because she loves it. Um, and there'll be yeah. the the volunteers that will go and administrate the clubs and do whatever they need to do to keep it going because they love it, because their friends are there and their friends and, and families before them. So that will carry things through. 
Mm. And the the reality check at the top end will happen regardless, but at the bottom end, things will still happen because people really, really, really want them to happen. So with yeah. women's football having come so far and so fast, I think like in the last few years it's just gone on a, an amazing trajectory that it, there might be less money involved and maybe – um, people won't be able to offer or sponsor the same opportunities to women's football over the next few years, but there'll be volunteers and ladies that women that still want to play at those leagues because the yeah. best players are still going to be there and they'll do it regardless. I'm not quite sure in men's football you'll have that same scenario. Uh, I think you could be right there, but I mean, take into account the women have done this forever. Yes. Uh, you know, they've always done it for the, the passion of yes. the game. It's only been, you know, probably uh, perhaps remunerated for the last, what are we going to say, year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe uh, a little longer. Uh, but that's actually been a discussion. For the men's game, I wonder if we'll ever see those massive contracts come back. Because I think people have realised they're just... It's Not sustainable. To, yep. to live a life that, you know, you're constantly in that much debt. Like real estate and prices. not insured against Not sustainable. Yeah. Mm. Something like uh, this this pandemic. Uh, it's extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. The thing that does worry me is that the, you know, it's going to be the end of the wedge. The women's football has always struggled for, you know, equal footing with the men's game in this country and, and, you know, we're not there. We don't have a proper home and away season at the W League. Yes. Uh, we've got so many women and girls playing the sport, uh, but to get our professional game on, and, and I'm not saying it hasn't improved, it's been fantastic. Coming and leaps and bounds and the fields have been wonderful, but we still have a ways to go and I just hope this is not a setback. Because yes. when there's no money in the game for the men's game, uh, just, you know, you, you continue that on and it filters down and there's even less for the women's, and we weren't starting with a huge amount anyway because, yep. let's be honest, when you're running a business, women's football doesn't make a lot of money. Mm. Yes. And sport in general is not the, you know, it's, it's almost a, a loss leader where you, you have it because everyone wants to have it because it's good optics, uh, and it's fantastic. I mean, the, the, with the women's game, I've had a lot of friends say to me they actually prefer watching women play because it's, it's just a more honest and more entertaining game. But as nice as all that is, it can't match the dollars that yep. the men's sport brings in. And that's that's pretty much across the board. Yeah. Um, so I just hope that there's not a trickle-down effect that means it takes years for the women's game to get back on its feet yep. and get back to where we were. That's very sobering, Steph. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know what? It's, reality it's, check. It's yep. Reality, though. If you're, if you're running a business, it's like you could be as nice as you want, but you actually still have to make money. And... We need to support that because if the men's game isn't making money, we don't have a women's competition. Well, that's my belief anyway. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And we were talking earlier about uh, AFL and how that operates and if that gets back to some kind of running competition, then we're in the slipstream. Other sports are in the slipstream mm. because that's been at the forefront of our culture in football for many, many years, They, uh, the funding and profile and personalities, et cetera. So... It, we don't like to say that. That's a sobering thought as well. But if they get um, whatever they need to start their competition, then it's likely that other sports will get what they need as well. They'll be the what, the guinea pig or whatever we like to say. Yeah, the, the test pilot. <laughs> yeah, test pilot. That's good. Yeah, yeah. 
Steph, it's been absolutely awesome having you on the program. Thanks very much. Um, appreciate that your life is looking a, a heck of a lot different to it used to. <laughs> um, and we hope that we'll hear you again when the competition starts up and uh, you're back in the thick of things again. Look forward to it, guys, and uh, well done with your uh, West Australian way of handling the crisis. Very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you all in person sometime soon. Yeah. Good on you, Steph. Stay well. See you, Steph. Thank you, too. Bye. 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 That was Steph Brant, ABC sports commentator um, from her home office, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, interesting, isn't it? Norms are changing. Mm. Uh, the, it's the new norm, and oh. it'll be a different norm next week and different norm after that until oh. we have – Whatever norm. I think everyone in the east wants to live in the west, Pen. They all want to migrate here. Yeah, or well, or the Northern Territory at the moment. Because <laughs> You're the beer Northern, there. That's right. Yeah, go right. for a beer. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, go to the Northern yeah. Territory for a beer. Here that's is it. a good place. It is a fantastic place. <laughs> uh, you've done well, everybody. Thank you for joining us in the studio, Don. Miranda. A pleasure. And parents for bringing you again. here. Mm. Appreciate that. Up next is the jazz show with Len Bags Groove. Good to see you, Len. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Sean's back up next week, and we are off to enjoy our weekends of whatever it may bring on football. Peace and tranquility. (laughs) Have a great weekend, everyone. (laughs) 